0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast. This is episode 16, if you keep a track at home. I'm Ryan the Goose Gosker, joined by my co-host, Jolan Joel Jolan, welcome to another exciting episode. What's going on, brother? Yeah, we're, we're doing well. Football is back, and we have a guest with us today. We have our second guest on the podcast, Nick McCarthy. is going to join us. Nick, uh, I've known you for, for a long time. You were a PLHS class of 2015 member, and then you went on to West Virginia, I believe, where you did a lot of radio and a lot of... Uh, A lot of different things involving sports, so we're happy to have you today and hear your opinions, and uh, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, Really glad to be here. Thanks a lot, Goss. Joel, uh, it's a real pleasure to be back in Pompton, in a studio where, as a kid, I can remember listening to high school football games be broadcasted. So it's kind of a real cool moment to see that uh, this is getting used again. And as you said before, it's a great day to have some college football in action and football coming back this week.
0: And we've got football galore everywhere. And and it's not just college. It's the NFL as well. Saw the NFL on Thursday night. We're going to get to them real quick. Uh, We're going to get to them after college football. But, Nick, you mentioned the Power Fives are back today. Now the SEC starts September 26th, which is fine, whatever you want to do. But the ACC and the Big 12 are back today. Those are the only two, those are the only other two conferences going. Well, what kind of games we got going on right now? Is, is there something going on right now this weekend? Kind of what are we looking at?
1: A couple quick ones right here. Uh, So as you mentioned before, Goss, I was a West Virginia alum. They're a Big 12 school. They're actually playing right now. They're up pretty big. 49-10 over Eastern Kentucky. That game's got 6 minutes and 29 seconds left in the third. Also in the Big 12, a little bit of an upset. The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns are leading the Iowa State Cyclones 24-14. There's 9 minutes and 35 seconds left in that fourth. Those are certainly two... Big games going on right there. And the ACC, North Carolina, all over Syracuse 31-6 to with 9 minutes and 37 seconds left in the fourth. And Notre Dame just kicked off against Duke.
0: Yeah, Notre Dame should whoop up on the Blue Devils today. They are not the powerhouse in football that as they are in basketball. Iowa State, a team that flipped. Uh, just some quick notes on these teams. Iowa State is a team that flipped. They were supposed to have, I believe, about 50% of their fans. And then they decided to back out of that about a week and a half before the season. And, I mean, there's just more games as you go on. Clemson-Wake Forest is a big one. Why? Because the number one pick in the 2021 draft is playing tonight and probably a first-round running back, and Travis Etienne is playing tonight. And I'm sure they got a whole other guys. But Texas is in action. They play UTEP tonight you got Coastal Carolinas playing Kansas. Less Miles over there at Kansas. A lot of fun. A lot of intrigue. John, what do you got? So,
2: we have other games from the Big 12 right now. A couple other conferences. What do we know about the Big 10 and what's their schedule looking like? Are they on pace to start this soon or are they going to start around Thanksgiving? What's that looking like? Well,
0: it's complicated. And I've said from the beginning, you can't start around Thanksgiving. You can't start a season as a, bi- as a Power 5 school. If the Ivy League school said, let's start around Thanksgiving, that's different. But... If you're the Big Ten and you start on Thanksgiving, everybody, everybody else is wrapping up their season. You can't start then, you know. So the Big Ten, there are reports that the Big Ten is going to start in mid-o- mid-October. That is what the coaches are pushing for right now. And, and you know, what's been big, it's the new saliva testing. It really is. That's been the big thing. They're hearing presentations about it, and they're going to get ready to hopefully use that in the season ahead. And, And I know the players and coaches are pushing hard for it.
1: Yeah, piggybacking off what you just said about starting, especially with a Power 5 school, or Power 5 Conference, I should say, but I'm going to use a specific Big Ten school here, Ohio State. That's a team coming into this season where you got to think they're going to be a contender, they're going to go out there, probably really come close to competing for a national championship. You have to have a feeling, a real strong feeling, if they can get this season in, you're going to see those guys in the playoff. So if they start that a little bit late, like around Thanksgiving, you point up, it's going to be hard to make the argument that they deserve to be in there. But if they can get the ship righted in October and they can get those games in, I don't see why not, especially a team like Ohio State makes it in.
2: Well, from college football now to the professional athletes, we have a bunch of NFL this weekend coming back. Fantasy football has already started with this past Thursday's game. Texans take on the Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, the Texans obviously lost that game. Down pretty bad, actually. The Chiefs kind of poured it on, I think. Goose, Nick, what are your guys' thoughts on that game specifically from Thursday, and what do we have leading into Sunday?
0: I'm gonna tell you, it was Christmas on Thursday. It was awesome to have football back. They had 14,000 people in the stands.
2: More like the ugly sweater party, December 21st. No, nope, it was tomorrow. Christmas. No, no.
0: <laughs> you know what? It it was Christmas. It was awesome to have fans back in the stands. It felt like football. The you know the the play actually wasn't that bad. You know, I would think without preseason, maybe these guys are you would see some ugly uh, some ugly play, but I thought the play overall was really good and I said the Chiefs would win by a couple touchdowns and you know I think the Texans kind of scored some some late game garbage time touchdowns so but Kansas City looks just about as good as everybody thought they would be coming into the season. I know Nick's going to talk about him but Clyde Edwards-Helaire, he looks every bit the hype that everybody made when they selected him on draft night.
2: First running back taken for a reason.
0: Correct. He looks awesome, and he fits that system so perfectly.
1: And right before I jump into Edwards Delaire, you brought up a good point there, too. It was a relatively clean game, and when you have no preseason games, you have just these guys doing scrimmages within their own camps and everything... Maybe there's a little bit of confusion on the line. You would expect to see more holding calls, more false starts, maybe some offsides. For the most part, for the first game of the season, given the circumstances with all COVID-related, it was a relatively clean-played game, and it was certainly exciting to watch. Uh, really disappointing the Houston offense, I gotta be honest with you. I thought it would be a lot closer for a lot longer, and uh, but... If we're going to highlight some good things, if you're if you're a Houston fan or if you're a fantasy football lover such as myself and the guys in the room here, one of the names you got to be that's got to be on your list right now is Will Fuller. Will Fuller at one hundred and twelve receiving yards with the addition of Brandon Cooks. Sure, they got another weapon there. He was questionable going into the game. He wound up playing. Will Fuller showed that if he can stay healthy, he is a serious, serious threat for that offense. as as well as, their running back, David Johnson, who they got in the trade with DeAndre Hopkins, he looked very comfortable in that system. I think he's going to progressively get better over the year, and certainly a running back you might want to have as an RB2 or possibly a flex.
0: Right, and he had to be better this year than last year, right? Like, he was just so down. He was so high on the mountaintop, and he came so far down. You know, there really wasn't much elsewhere for him to go outside of outside the league. Uh, so, really excited to see him back, and you you mentioned, but you know the one thing I thought as I watched the whole Houston game? They missed their big-time 50-50 ball wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. They 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 really are going to miss that weapon all season long.
2: Well, going from DJ and another running back who's changed locations recently, Le'Veon Bell, the Jets now play at the Buffalo Bills Stadium this Sunday at 1 p.m. What are your guys' thoughts on this game? Sam Darnold, healthy year. What do you expect from him? So on and so forth. Bills. Oh, I agree 100%. Bills. Just one word? Bills.
0: Bills. 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 <laughs> Bills. Bills, the Bills are a team that could win the NFC the AFC East. The NFC, excuse me. The AFC East. And I just think they're that much better than the Jets. You know, somebody said the other day, you know, there's a lot of teams in the league where you could say they're going to be awful, then they turn out to be good, except for the Jets. The Jets always just seem to turn out to be exactly what we thought they were. Sam Darnold, listen, man, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And part of it is, I don't know if it's so much his talent, because I like his talent. Adam Gase is his coach. Adam Gase has not really been successful anywhere he's gone and and his butting heads with Le'Veon Bell is just awful so uh, Bills in 3 I'm kidding Uh, I'll take the Bills by more than 10
1: well as Goss put it in one word with his Bills I'm going to use 2 Bills Mafia they're playing the game in Orchard Park, the Bills are a tremendous team defensively, especially with, in my opinion, probably the best cornerback in the league, who just signed an extension, Tredavious White. I agree. That's going to go more. That's gonna be a team that it's going to be their division to lose. I think. I think the Patriots, while they did sign Cam Newton, it's just it's all made for the Bills right now. I really love Josh Allen. I think he's going to find a way to win ball games. And now they have Singletary in the backfield as well as more weapons on the outside, such as. Oh God, I can't even think of his name off the top of my head right Stephon now. Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs, who they just added, and it's just going to be Cole Beasley in the Cole slot. Cole Beasley in John the slot. Brown. John Brown. It's just going to be. A, this is just like I said. It's going to be the Bills' division to lose if they play their football, and there's going to be some fun in Buffalo this postseason. I think.
0: By the way, the only team to actually play in New York. By the way, you know we call them the New York Jets and Giants, but they let's not forget they play in Jersey.
2: All right, yeah, whatever. They could, they could have the Bills. We still have the Giants and Jets. So yeah, let, let New York have the Bills. So from one division matchup to another, we have the NFC North. The Packers are at the Vikings. Um, Aaron Rodgers, it looks like his closeout year in um, Green Bay, honestly, with Jordan Love being drafted and everything working against him right now. Do we see Aaron Rodgers depart at the end of the year? What do you expect from Green Bay Week 1?
0: Where is this game being played, by the way? Minnesota. 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 I'm going to take the Vikings, and usually, I mean, if there were fans, I would take them by a good amount because that, that stadium is just hard to play in. Aaron Rodgers, his completion percentage is dropping every year. I don't think, because early reports are coming out that Jordan Love has been god awful in practice. Really? By the way, the early reports are coming out that he has looked awful. So I think that this is obviously still Aaron Rodgers' team. They didn't get him a weapon. It, this was literally the best draft to get a receiver in any round. In any round.
2: That's exactly why I asked ask that because. Quarterback first round, you have to expect them moving on from Aaron.
0: Right, and Mike Zimmer's such a great coach, such a great defensive coach. I think they're going to be in a spot to shut down Aaron Rodgers and this team. The question to me is how well can they contain Aaron Jones? He had, I believe, he had over 19 touchdowns last year. He was just terrific. So, if they can contain Aaron Jones, I think the Vikings win this one.
1: And that's another thing, too, if they contain Aaron Jones. If they get the running game established this Green Bay with Aaron Jones, that opens up so much more because... Down the stretch. Yes, has Aaron Rodgers fell off a little bit. Yeah, there's no question about that. Completion rights down. No. That's my point. Not much. Aaron Rodgers is still going to Aaron Rodgers. If you give him enough time in the game, he's got a weapon. in Devontae Adams, who can absolutely get all get open and make plays. This is a Minnesota defense that, for the past few years, has been very good. But they're going to take a couple notches down. But on the flip side, I, actually, I should say, the Vikings, I do think, are going to win. Now, on the flip side, for them offensively, Dalvin Cook just got paid. Watch him run all over that Green Bay defense.
0: Five years to the tune of $62.5 million. Of, uh, relatively a team-friendly deal for a great running back.
2: I drafted him fourth this year over an Alicomera. I'm oh, a god.
0: <laughs> All <laughs> right, let's move on. To our, let's keep moving on to moving our on next matchup. Stop to
2: my own horn. Uh, Eagles are at the Washington football team. The R word is dead. That whole team basically is sinking. Snyder's having a whole bunch of problems this offseason. I do not expect a hot start from them week one. What do you guys think with the Philadelphia Eagles coming to town?
0: If Ron Rivera somehow gets this team to be good, I mean, God bless his soul. Honestly. He's established. But He's other than court. that, listen, I know the Eagles got some injury for injuries on the offensive line. This is the Eagles, man. I you know, I expect Carson Wentz to come out firing. Uh, we're going to see if uh, Jalen Rager comes out and play their first-round draft pick. He's doubtful, I think, right now. Bro. Right. So that's, you know, we'll see. We'll see what kind of— But, I mean, look what he did last year with Boston Scott as his best weapon, you know, basically. And, and a former quarterback—I'm blanking on his name— his f- former quarterback playing wide receiver, uh, the kid from Houston— I forget what his name is. Um, Burton? I'm, no, no, not Trey Burton. He went to Florida. I'm forgetting his name. I'll look, I'll look it up. But regardless, the Eagles just too good. Not that relevant. Washington, Washington just. Oh, Greg Ward. Oh, Greg, Ward. Greg Ward. Yeah, he used to play for Houston. Um, Regardless, I think the Eagles win this one pretty easily. I think this is a really I think this is a simple pick.
1: This is a two team division. It's going to be Dallas and the Eagles at the end of the year. I'm already anticipating Dirty Lurk, Dirty Looks and getting cursed out by Joel on after this because of his Giants. <laughs> but let's just let's just call it what it is. It's going to be probably Dallas is going to walk away on top of this and Philadelphia could probably claw and nail and give them a good fight like they always do because this is really is a tough division. Philadelphia washes
2: washes Washington. Moving on, another divisional game to another divisional game. I see a trend going on here. We have the hot and ready-to-go Cleveland Browns with all their starters on offense and weapons going against a team that could honestly go 16-0 in the Baltimore Ravens. So, we have the up-and-coming team, the is hot team
1: your, in the block. Is that your bold prediction? You're oh. saying that the Baltimore Ravens are going to go 16-0? and Well, they
2: have the schedule easy enough to do. Get, it. get yes. out of here. Yes. Get out of here, <laughs> get, dude. There's <laughs> all this. Browns are at the Ravens. What are you guys' predictions on this game? Baker Mayfield's on the hot seat this year for sure, but they're the new kids on the block with all their weapons.
0: I'm going to, I don't even know if this is bold, but I'm going to say Cleveland's the most interesting team in football this year because of the talent they have. Now, they lost Grant Delpit, which hurts that secondary, and I thought their secondary looked really good if, if and when he was healthy. His nickname was Baby Jamal. Now, we don't know if he would be Jamal, but uh, that's referencing Jamal Adams. But I think, I think Baltimore's just got too much firepower. To, to start the season, I think the Browns would kind of see them going in, and uh, we'll continue to see Baker on the progressive commercials, but uh until then, I think you know I think we're going to see Baltimore come out week one, try to make a statement. They really fell flat on their face last year in the postseason against Tennessee. They really they really were awful in that game. I've watched that game a few times they've been they were really, really bad, so I expect them to try and come out and have something to prove here early on.
1: This Ravens team is just too complete. Like, don't get me wrong, Cleveland's gonna be a lot of fun to watch this year. They're gonna turn some heads just because of all the offensive talent they have, as well as Miles Garrett up front on the defensive side. But Baltimore is just too well rounded. Lamar Jackson under center or in the shotgun probably most of the time. He can beat you with his arm, he can beat you with his legs. And it's just I think it's gonna be a relatively close game for most of it, but Baltimore's gonna end up on top.
0: Yeah, I'm looking for him to take that next step in the passing game because he, he did take a huge step last year, but he needs to get to an even higher level where teams can't just let him sit back and chuck it.
2: So from two of the most exciting teams in football to two of the least exciting teams in football, we have the Indianapolis Colts going to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. What are your guys' thoughts on this matchup? Jacksonville is not in a good position to do well.
1: Welcome to town, Phillip Rivers. It's his team. Now that they have a legitimate quarterback under center, expect to see T.Y. Hilton beat up this depleted Jacksonville secondary. It's going to be all Colts in Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, I don't think the Colts are that boring, to be honest well, with you. Phillip Rivers well, Philip Phillip Rivers kids in kids have an there. Offense, so. Yeah, but Jonathan Taylor's there. They got Michael Pittman Jr. Another weapon for him. Going to be really interesting. But you're right, Jacksonville is a snooze fest. I apologize to my cousin who has season tickets down there. I feel bad for you. Regardless, I think the Colts run away with this thing, and Nick, I'm in agreement with you.
2: Uh, easy one to pick there. Obviously, Jacksonville, like I said, going to be having a down year, I think.
0: Gardner will make a fan favorite though he'll be he'll be exciting for the fans to watch
2: going to technically the new kids in town with the Las Vegas Raiders storied franchise has moved locations they're at the Carolina Panthers another team that looks to be losing pieces as we continue on Or start this decade, rather. By the way,
0: I still call them Oakland for some for whatever reason. I still call them Oakland.
2: It's Um, only their first year, so we can't fault you entirely just yet,
0: right? So next year when I'm next year when I'm calling them Oakland, uh, then then you start getting on me about that. But uh, I think this is another one where we just see John Gruden and his team. I think it's a little bit more of a struggle because this game is in Carolina, correct? Yes. This game is in Carolina, so they got to travel to the East Coast. You know, it's all that kind of west to east. Uh, BS that, that we always see. I mean, it is, it is a real thing with the flight and the jet lag and all that stuff.
2: That's why I think the Ravens go 16-0, by the way. They have no flight miles this year.
0: Well, that just means they're not going to get any free flights with their miles. <laughs> regardless, I think Oakland wins this one. I think it's a lot closer, like I said, because they have to travel to the East Coast. But regardless, Carolina's really in a rebuilding year. Is this a chance for Matt Rule to make a statement week one? Absolutely. Now, statement against what a mediocre team in the league yeah but that team's in full rebuild they only drafted defensive players this year and they just paid christian mccaffrey you know why you pay him that much money because he's the only thing you got down there so uh i expect teddy two gloves to come out firing though i'm excited to see him in his first full season since he was back in minnesota hopefully as long as he can stay healthy
1: yeah if teddy two gloves stays healthy he's gonna be a force even though as as a west virginia guy i would love to see will greer go under center in carolina but I think Vegas is just too deep for this Carolina team. They've got Darren Waller at tight end. Henry Ruggs, who they just drafted, is going to be a serious deep threat. Hunter, Gosh. Josh Jacobs, exactly. Uh, Carr is going to have, I think, a real big bounce-back season. And just I think Vegas is going to be too much for this Carolina team to handle. And like you said, it's going to be a big statement for rule. But like I said, I think Vegas goes in there and takes care, takes care of Carolina. Were
0: you going to say Hunter Renfro, the 35-year-old yeah, second-year guy? I swear, every time I look at him, I'm like, this guy's over 30. He has to be. And little do we know, it's his first couple years. Yeah, first couple years in the league.
2: Moving on, we have the Bears at the Detroit Lions, another divisional game, NFC North. Um, The Bears, great defense, have named Mitch Trubisky the starter of that offense. What are you expecting from Chicago going against Detroit?
0: The only thing we're missing is Tigers, Lions, Tigers, and Bears. Oh, my. Oh, my. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Big mistake. Mitch Trubisky is not it. He, they need to really admit that. The, all the memes are out there about Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. I, I get it. you got to admit you whiffed. You, you whiffed on the guy, and Nick Foles is inevitably going to play. I think their defense is actually going to be better than it was last year. Surprise, yeah, surprise. Like and look for Tariq Cohen out of the backfield. I still think Detroit wins this one. I think it's a big game for Matt Stafford in his first game back since fracturing his back last year. on Johnson, DeAndre Swift, Adrian Peterson, absolutely loaded backfield. Kenny Galladay at receiver. Give me Detroit in this one in the opener.
1: Really? You're going to go with Detroit? I'm
0: going to go with Detroit in this one.
1: I like the pick mostly because I'm a huge staffer guy. I think he slings the ball. He's a trooper. The guy gets abused. I also think Matt Patricia is going to be a pretty good coach going down the line coming from the Belichick regime. But Chicago, that's going to be a team. Like you said, Mitch Trubisky, he's. Probably going to end up being a whiff. That backfield looks really good with Montgomery as well as Cohen. And a guy to keep an eye out for for Chicago, who I also have on my fantasy team, Allen Robinson, he's going to be one of the big go-to guys for Chicago, whether it be Trubisky on our center or it's Foles. I'm going to go with Chicago.
0: Interesting.
2: Man of defense. And I just wanted to comment, Matt Stafford, I believe, is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of our time. like well, football so far. And
0: I mean, one of the big reasons is he just hasn't gotten to the postseason. And, yeah. that you know, again, that's... Uh, you can argue about whether part of that's his fault or whether it's not. And I think he's done well enough. He's put up great stats to where he you know, he doesn't deserve that much blame in my eyes. I'm
1: certainly on the side where it's definitely not his fault. Upper right. management in Detroit has been an issue. I mean, he was a part of some really, really, truly terrible teams in Detroit. But this is a guy who's been going out there uh, year after year. He's putting up numbers. He's a big fantasy quarterback to grab because you know they're huge air raid offense. He's got a huge target in Galladay. And this is just, and he has little uh, checkpoint options too. With Swift out of the backfield, carry on Johnson on the ball now. Adrian Peterson, hopefully now, while Adrian Peterson is older, he probably still can get a couple of touchdowns or get the ball a few times. Hopefully, make it a little easier for Stafford. But I'm certainly on the side where if he was on a better team, this is a guy where you talk about he's a generational quarterback. I mean, maybe not up to the certain tiers that we've seen like a Brady or Manning, but it's a guy you have in the back of your mind every year of a conversation like, wow, this guy is legit.
2: Second ballot, third ballot, Hall of Famer, I think, definitely. Moving on, we have one of the most exciting teams in football in the past decade or so, the Seattle Seahawks, taking on one of the most exciting offenses in football this year, the all-first-round pick, Atlanta Falcons. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on this game? Matty Ice. Back after a couple of years removed from an MVP, do you think he could go back to those standards and take the Atlanta Falcons to the playoffs? Well,
0: Seattle has gone from the Legion of Boom to the Legion of Doom, and they're hoping to turn the page on that with trading for Jamal Adams. And let's let's not be let's be frank about this. That's an all-in move. You don't just trade all that for Jamal Adams to say, hey, let's get to six and ten this year. You are doing that to go make a deep postseason run. You know why? Because you got you got a. a top three MVP candidate in Russell Wilson this year, who again, I just want to see them uncork him. You know, their, their, their offense is just, yeah, we gotta run the ball, we gotta set the tone. You've got enough big play-wide receivers now. They just signed Josh Gordon, so when he inevitably gets reinstated, they'll have him. The DK Metcalf was terrific last year. Tyler Lockett's awesome. They got Greg Olson, shout out Wayne, New Jersey. He, he just got signed to Seattle this year. So they've got weapons. Stop forcing the run game in my eyes in Seattle so if they can do that I think Russell Wilson can win MVP I think he just he he will win MVP if they allow that offense to run through him like that
2: so you like Wilson over Matty Ice uh, Nick what do you think
0: this
1: one's a little tough for me because I I, under, I get where you come from with the whole Adams thing. I still think that defense is a little weaker than last year. They gave up a lot of points in the air, and this is going to be Atlanta team that now has Todd Gurley in the backfield. Hopefully their run game improves a little bit, so you know what, if you establish the run, that you can utilize play action, all that good stuff. If you ever played Madden, I'm sure you heard that 10 million times. And they also have a ton of targets as well. They have Julio Jones. They have Calvin Ridley and Matty Ice the center. That guy's a leader. I think that whole 28-3... Uh, Super Bowl with New England has been hanging over his head for a while I think finally this is the year where he shakes off the hangover and he fires back and has a season where we know he can I like the Falcons
0: oh Line, you gotta let me finish bro I promise I was saying if they let Russell Wilson uncork Pete Carroll has shown a very big stubbornness to not let that happen. Yeah. I'm taking the Falcons in Atlanta. Now, the Chick-fil-A in the stadium won't be open because it's going to be on Sunday, and there's no fans anyway. So that's a disappointment. <laughs> but regardless, I think I think the uh, Falcon fans give Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, something to celebrate on Sunday.
2: Moving on, we have two of the teams, one in rebuild and one in what I believe is a decline in New England Patriots. We have the Dolphins going to New England to play Bill Belichick and his team, the Patriots. What are your guys' thoughts on this AFC East matchup?
0: Yeah, this one's tough. I'm going to tell you right now, because in Bill in Bill, we trust. Like, I've, I've said, said that on the simple. pod. You know, it's just, and Cam Newton, I expect his role to be massive on this team. And obviously, it's going to have to be if they're going to be anywhere good. And I expect that defense to be good as they always are, because of coached by Bill Belichick. But you got Miami coming in, and I, we said this in prep, Nick. I said Buffalo had to win the division this year. Why? It's not going to take the Patriots that long to rebuild because they have Bill Belichick, and Miami's coming. The post, the offseason they had give puts them in an opportunity, and I said this to Joel on a previous podcast, to make them the 2016 Giants when they went 11-5 and, and went to Green Bay, and we know, the, we know the whole boat trip thing, and they dropped all... Regardless, but the point was is I think that's a team that can make a splash this year based on the veteran presence that they brought in. I'm... Still just going to stick with New England here in Week 1. I, you know, I'm so close to pulling the trigger on Miami in this one, but I'm just going to stick with, with New England, and especially, I mean, again, no fans, but up in Foxborough, they just always find a way to win up there.
1: Yeah, it's New England, and like you said, Bill Belichick, I really think Cam Newton's going to come out this year with a vengeance, signed for a million dollars in this offseason. I think he's just out for blood. He wants to prove to everyone that he can play, he can still play, despite his shoulder injuries in the past. As much as I would love to pull the trigger on Fitz Magic and the Dolphins, I think it's all New England and Foxborough.
0: Yeah, and you've got Josh McDaniels this year, by the way. Just real quick, Joel, on, is, this is his real big test year because now he's finally got a quarterback that can move. Hey, listen, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, and there are there are obvious difficulties in coaching that, but he's also a statue back there, and he doesn't move around. So now Josh, Daniels, Josh McDaniels can get really creative. Now he can kind of do some things in the run game differently with Cam Newton and maybe have some trickery up his sleeve.
1: Now this is more on the fantasy side of things. If you're in a position where you're not really sure about with running backs... This is a game where, personally, for myself, I'm not big in trusting New England running backs, but this is a game where you give James White the nod. I think he runs all over that Miami defense.
0: It'll be fun.
2: That wraps up the 1 o'clock games. Moving on to the 4 o'clock window, we'll start with the Chargers at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals, obviously, with the number one draft pick, Joe Burrow. At Twitter, people were at my throat all week because I called Burrow was going to underperform. Why, I don't know. Like, I don't, uh, Do you understand it's the Cincinnati Bengals here, folks? Cincinnati.
0: Fellas, what do you guys think? I'm I'm going I'm going Los Angeles here. I'm going with the Chargers. I think they they've been really good. Now Derwin James, that'll hurt them in bigger games against against better opponents. But I think they can handle the Bengals. I really do. It's gonna be you know, their quarterback situation, apparently both quarterbacks look really good, and then both quarterbacks being Tyrod Taylor and their first round pick Justin Herbert. They both look really good. Uh, they were on hard knocks, which has been awesome. So they they've been fun to watch. Keenan Allen's due for a big year this year. I think they just signed Chris Harris. I believe this offseason, the cornerback. He's still got some good football left in him. And again, Jalen, you mentioned it. It's the Cincinnati Bengals, man. You know, I I just think I you don't know what you're going to get out of AJ Green. I don't even know if he's going to play the whole game. You know, with his injury history, you never know. So I'm going to take the Chargers in this game.
1: Yeah, I'm probably also going to go with the Chargers. But looking more into Cincinnati, Joe Mixon's going to get the ball. He's going to run the ball well. He's going to be a weapon out of the backfield. That's a big thing for. Joe Burrow, especially being a first-year guy, and we mentioned again A.J. Green with those big injuries, how is he going to perform? A guy to look at, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan or you're interested in Joe Burrow for guys that he's going to have to look to for targets, is Tyler Boyd this year. Expect him to really, if the Bengals want to have any sort of success this season, Tyler Boyd's got to step up big, and then if they can get A.J. Green back to what he was, or at least close to what he was, if Boyd can explode, mix it with the run game, they could, a few years down the line, be a fun team, but we're taking Los Angeles this week.
0: Very much what we've talked about with Joanna Cespedes before the Mets season. If you could get a certain, I, I know, I know, the guy. If we could get a certain percentage of what he used to be, that's what we're looking at at AJ with AJ Green and Joe Mixon. You mentioned, by the way, he just got a new contract, four years, forty-eight million dollars. So. Uh, terrific deal for him.
2: So moving on from this year's first overall pick to last year's first overall pick, we have Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals going against the NFC champs last year in the San Francisco 49ers-NFC West matchup for the ages.
0: Yeah, this is going to be really fun. Now, Arizona, from what I've heard, had one person test positive for COVID. Uh, added to the COVID uh, like reserve list or whatever the hell they have right now. So that game technically could be in jeopardy. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here the next... 48 hours or 24 hours, whatever it is. This is going to be fun, by the way, and I hope their second matchup is later in the season because I think when these two teams are humming at full speed, this, is, this could be what Seattle and San Francisco was last year, which was just two instant classic games and a team with DeAndre Hopkins on it in Arizona who just got paid two years $54.5 million. That's the highest non-quarterback contract on a yearly basis. In NFL history. And
1: he also negotiated himself, which I think is very impressive Mm -hmm. as well.
0: Very, very impressive. So, uh, Kyler Murray, again, he's a big MVP candidate. Why? Because second-year quarterbacks seem to really explode onto the scene. I'm going to take the defending NFC champs here. I think they, they really have something to prove. Jimmy G has something to prove this year. They got their new wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, they got some other weapons, and Kyle Shanahan is just an absolute mastermind. Except when it comes to fourth quarters um, and Super Bowls. Brandon
2: Ayuk might be limited. He was uh, doubtful as of yesterday, so we'll
0: see the. Then some other that. undrafted rookie's going to come. Uh, Kyle Shanahan just does such a great job. Like I said, outside of fourth quarters in the Super Bowl, he does such a great job finding ways to get others involved, and it doesn't matter who the others is. You know, it could be a no-name, and he gets him going.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, also going to go with the Niners here. I mean, we're in. We're in San Francisco, which is technically Santa Clara. But I think this Arizona team does have a lot of promise for them. Kyler Murray is going to be a serious threat for this team. Now adding DeAndre Hopkins gives him a true weapon. He's going to use his feet. He's going to scramble. He's going to make plays happen. First week of the season, though, I think San Francisco is going to be a little too much for that team. I think Arizona's going to find a way to click. And then when they do start clicking, they might have a legitimate chance to uh, rustle some feathers
2: out in the West. To from one divisional matchup in the NFCs to another great one, we have the Bucs at the Saints. The Buccaneers, obviously, looking like the biggest team this year to have a chance to Super Bowl with all the additions they've put on. They are playing the New Orleans Saints, obviously with Super Bowl hopes every year. Seems like they can't catch a break in the playoffs. What do you guys think happens this week one?
0: This is the game of the week, by the way. This is the matchup everybody's been waiting for. Brady, you know, Brady versus Breeze. Alvin Kamara just got paid, by the way, five years, seventy. 70- million dollars. By the way, Christmas. they are $70 million over the cap for next year. How they're going to cut that much money, I have not a single clue. But back to the 2020 season, this I don't know what Tampa Bay is going to be this year. But the uncertainty going into the season, and you don't know what you're getting out of Brady. There's been reports his arm looks like it was 10 years ago. There's also reports, you know, that he's Obviously getting old, which is true. Obviously, that's no no doubt about it, but he's looking older in age. So you don't know what to believe. I'm gonna take the fear of the unknown here and I'm gonna take the Buccaneers in this one. That offense is absolutely loaded. And the defense with Todd Bowles, who by the way, got it, you know, got the raw end of the stick in New York, I think. You know, he did a great job with that defense in New York. And I expect him to do the same thing in Tampa. You know why? Because nobody's talking about that defense. Every eye is on that offense.
2: Uh, Devin White, Devont, uh, Levante David, definitely people to look after. Nick, who do you got? Yeah, this is, like you said, it's a
1: marquee matchup for this week, especially the way to kick off. Tom Brady making the transition to the AFC, I'm sorry, the NFC South, and we have t- now it's going to be Breeze Brady. It's going to be real fun to watch, but I just think New Orleans has way too much firepower. Yes, Todd Bowles is a great defensive coordinator. He did get the run into the stick in New York. But looking at that, I just think that New Orleans offense, Kamara, Michael Thomas, and then, guys, Drew Brees. Drew Brees, everyone's like, oh, he's getting old, he's still little. Nah, man, this is a this is a big-time quarterback who steps up in big-time situations. Yes, the Tampa Bay offense is good, but there's a lot of uncertainty. Can Tom Brady get the ball downfield to Chris Godwin? What happens if... Mike Evans is double teamed, they can't get him the ball too much, and he can't really reach the ball downfield to Chris is Godwin Gronk anymore. He's speed? he's, doubt, he's is doubtful. Gronk this game speed? Week. That's a great question. He mm-hmm. lost a ton of weight since going into retirement, then coming out. No how camp. is how is he going to transition back into this? I like New Orleans.
0: Yeah. Mike Evans is doubtful this week, by the way, so that's that's another big shot for them. But you know, you mentioned Drew Brees and and just a guy that I you know, I guess we got to give him more credit early in the season. You know, when he's tapered off these last couple years, and the, it, it's it been towards the end. And, I mean, you know, he has had injuries and all this kind of stuff, but he has not looked good at the end of season. So, I guess that's a little bit of recency bias kind of looking at it that way. Uh, so, But it is going to be fun. I, I don't think this is a 10-7 game. I think this might be like a 35-32, you know, 40-38 kind of game. This Ooh. is going to be really fun to watch.
2: Numbers prediction for the game of the week, huh?
1: Yeah. I see. I also see a lot of offense, and you mentioned it before that Kamara just got his new deal. With that in place, I think that really fires him up. He's going to go out week one and put on a show. He's going to, and this is again a New Orleans team that's highly offense. They're all they're air raid. They can run the ball. They can pretty much do anything with that kind of a weapon, as well as their wideouts. He's going to have a big week, and again, I'm still I'm going to stay with New Orleans, and
2: it's probably going to be a shootout.
0: Yeah, honestly, I'd be higher up on them if there were fans in that Superdome, because that Superdome is ridiculous to play in when it's loud. But it's going to be quiet now.
2: So from what we believe to be the game of the week to the actual game of the week in the Sunday primetime, we have obviously America's team and the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Los Angeles Rams. What do you guys think? Right.
0: I got to ask. I, I, I got to ask. How did they pick the wrong game of the week? They had months to figure this out, and they picked the wrong game to put on Sunday Night it's Football. It's Jerry's weight. He yeah, but they're playing in Los. A- you know what it is? It's the new stadium. They're mm-hmm. playing in SoFi Stadium. I get it a little bit, but stay, re- regardless, I want to see the actual marquee matchup. This is Dallas the whole way. I think the Rams are very average this year. I mean, Cooper Cup just got paid three years, forty-eight million dollars. I think he's. I think he's just Jared Goff's safety weapon. You know, I think. I think that's really what he is. He's not going to go for eighteen hundred yards in a season. But he's going to be, when Jared Goff is in trouble, that's who he's looking for. They missed Todd Gurley, uh, even though he didn't play a ton last year. But they got Cam Akers in the draft. Now he's their third-string running back. Just a lot of dysfunction. And we're going to see. Sean McVay is going to be really tested because he had the one massive year. And then last year, they were awful. And, you know, Andrew Whitworth's not getting any younger. Their star left tackle. So you really got to get it going here. And what is Sean McVay made of? We're gonna find out this year. But this Dallas team, by the way, this Dallas team, and it, and it kills me to say because I'm a Giant fan, they should make a deep run this year. Deep. They have just about everything. There's some question marks on that defense, as usual. And and they, deep although they might, the they might be signing Earl Thomas. We still don't know. Exactly. We still don't know what's going on with Earl Thomas. Regardless, they have all the offensive weapons to beat massively explosive, not just in garbage time like they were last year, but to be explosive for 60 minutes in every game. I'm going to take Dallas. I think this is one of the easier picks this week, Dallas.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be Dallas. It's going to be a nice little uh, welcome for Mike McCarthy being in Dallas. He should go into Los Angeles, clean up Even though I am really excited to see the stadium, it's not going to be ideal for the Los Angeles Rams. But a matchup I'm really interested in for this game is watching Amari Cooper out wide and who's he matching up against this week? Somebody special who just signed an extension.
0: Jalen Ramsey. That would be five years, $105 million. That is the richest cornerback deal on NFL history. That was great with
1: the numbers on the spot right there. Thank you. And he also, last year when they matched up, Ramsey kept Cooper in check. So that's going to be interesting to see how Dak bounces around and changes his looks and everything. But again, when you got a running back like Ezekiel Elliott, and I still think Dallas still has a really solid offensive line. They're going to protect them. This is all Dallas written
0: all over it. Right, and let's not forget, Amari doesn't have to be the number one. He is going to be the number one. But the softness we saw out of him last year can be masked a little bit now with CeeDee Lamb there. Because I think CeeDee Lamb was dynamic, and I was very upset that he fell all the way to Dallas. Especially now we got to see him twice a year very, very, very upset. I think he takes some pressure off Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper can sit out the biggest play of the season if he wants to this year.
1: And a big question, too, surrounding Cooper, how's his lower body going to handle this season? Last year, we saw the issues with his legs. Some games he was there, some games he wasn't. You just don't know. Hopefully this offseason, for his sake, he's iced up, he's good, he's fresh, but this is a tough matchup for him personally, but... I do think he'll be one of the better wide receivers, especially because I think this is a big year for Dak.
2: Very, very big year for Dak. So from one coast to the other, we have Monday night games. The Pittsburgh Steelers are at the New York Football Giants, and the Tennessee Titans are at the Denver Broncos heading north. What are your guys' thoughts on the Monday matchups? Let's start first with the Steelers at Giants.
0: So I just want to quickly wrap up Dak. Uh, He did come out and talk about his mental health this week. Uh, shout out to Dak because that is that is no easy thing to do. And no shout out to you, Skip Bayless. It, it is it has been stigmatized for too long, and, and you know what? Good for him. He's been in a really dark place, but I just wanted to put that out there. Good for Dak.
1: And a great point too. Him coming out there, uh, addressing his mental his mental illness. Uh, that's a horrible situation to be in, and only can only imagine what someone would would go through somebody's mind after a tragedy like that. But that shows leadership in that locker room. He's know. going out there. He's addressing his situation that was personal to him making it known and like you said something that's been so stigmatized for this long I think that certainly helps his case in the locker room perspective and again it'll transition to on the field play
0: right and Joel I mentioned everything that skip Bayless you know whatever we're, we're not even gonna go there but let's get to, let's get back to Monday night uh let's be honest this is the easiest pick of the week it's the Giants and I only say that because I'm a giant fan and we're, you know we're just gonna keep rolling here again the fear of the uncertainty. Joe Judge is running a 1950s football camp, and we have no idea how that's going to work. We have no, uh, zero idea.
2: I hope you know when you said it's going to be easiest pick of the week. I was expecting you to say Pittsburgh. That is laughable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I you know, and again, obviously joking a little bit, but I, I expect the Giants to come out, and I think they're going to play. They're going to play really hard. I think this is one of the games they can go get in terms of if you look at their schedule, they got a pretty, pretty brutal schedule, and, you know, obviously Dallas and Philly getting better better it doesn't really help them but i think this is a game where again we've seen we've seen teams come out for one game and look amazing the giants the giants are the best team on first drives in nfl history that i've ever seen their first drives on offense are the most pristine like scripted out plays and they look beautiful and then they then they go into the you know the crapper okay so but again we don't know what joe judge is going to look like this is really a game of uncertainty for everybody involved, Ben Roethlisberger coming off that big elbow injury, Mike Tomlin should have that defense at a historic level this year. I, you know, they were borderline historic. 000. They were borderline historic last year, and they had Duck and Mason and uh, Rudolph Red the Red-Nosed head. Reindeer and Duck back there last year. So expect this team to be much better. I think the Steelers are going to be good all year. And I know there's some Pittsburgh fans listening, and I know they're going to be upset with me. I'm taking the Giants the whole way. Call me a homer or whatever you want. Uh, what?
1: What was it you said before? Uh, something along the lines of uncertainty. uncertainty. Except I'm going the other way. I'm taking Pittsburgh. I think, yeah, you know what? Big Ben's getting older, but this is a guy who bounces back from injury. He's got some weapons he can use. I think James Conner as well after that shoulder issue. He's going to run the football really well and be another weapon for Big Ben. I just think this... While Judge is doing a tremendous job, I personally think, in New York, with the practices you mentioned, it kind of reminds me of playing youth football, Carlos sliding <laughs> in the mud, some laughs, some smiles. That certainly does things in the locker room from a team perspective, looking up to their head coach. I just think Big Ben, with all his experience and everything, he carves up that Giants defense.
0: Right, and here's the big question, Mark. Can the Giants get pressure? Last year's Mar- Marcus Golden was the only dude to even sniff double, double digits. digits. Now, he got to double digits, obviously, but then he didn't get a big deal this offseason. season. The Giants didn't really make a lot of moves in free agency or the draft in terms of their defensive line. I was pretty adamant about that. I was pretty upset about that because I think that's an area they need to address. But if they can get if they can get pressure with not only Marcus Golden, but newly named Captain Dalvin Tomlinson and Blake Martinez. And Captain Blake Martinez and Captain Jabril Peppers, because I'm sure he's got some packages in there. They have to get pressure on the quarterback. If they don't, Big Ben Big Bang's going to carve them up like a Thanksgiving turkey with Juju Schmidt shootster out there. I don't care that we have James Bradbury. I didn't even know who James Bradbury was until he signed a contract. So I think that says a little bit more And Juju. I, I think he's in for a big one. The Giants get the, color, get the college commentators this weekend. They'll get the crew of Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet, who you usually hear on the Saturday primetime. Uh, a at, at college football game, whatever. I think you're going to hear them tonight on Clemson-Wake Forest.
1: I am personally a huge fan of Blake Martinez. That's the guy who gets his nose involved in everything. I think it was a few years ago, or not too far off, where he led the league in tackles. He was
2: tremendous for Green Bay, and that's going to be a huge presence for the Giants up the middle. So From one Monday night game to the next, we have the Tennessee Titans traveling north to the Denver Broncos. There's questions about Von Miller's health. Denver. There's questions about Okay. Denver. Oh, Goss says Denver. There's questions all across the board. Tennessee's coming off a deep AFC playoff run last year, so we don't know what to expect week one, but Goose, you start this one.
0: No, I'm going with Denver because I think the the only team with any advantage this year is Denver because of the mile high, and I think you know that sometimes gets downplayed a little bit, but it is a factor. It's not as big, obviously, as I'm making it sound right now, but I'm going to take Denver in this game. That offense is going to be really, really good, I think, with Drew Locke. If he's anything half as good as people say he is. That offense is going to be really good. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. Now, they did lose Cortland Sutland, but they do have Philip Lindsay. They have Melvin Gordon. I think that defense is going to be... You know, that defense always find a way to play well at home. They always find a way to be 8-8, eight and eight, and it always seems like they're 8-0 at home and eight zero 0 and 8 on the road. So now that they're home... You know, Tennessee, this is... This is... The easiest, like, letdown year on... Uh, coming into the season. You know what I mean? They're set up for a letdown year. They signed... You know they signed Ryan Tannehill. They, uh, they. I don't believe they signed Derrick Henry. I don't. They. He's playing on the franchise tag this year. Yeah. So you know you got a little bit of an unhappy running back, but maybe a prove it year. I don't know.
2: Clowney rumors. Is he signed? Clowney
0: did sign with the Titans. So that is, that is a big addition. But again, you just look every. Look what broke for them last year. Everything had to kind of break the right way. And you know uh, we as Giant fans have seen those kind of years, and it just ends up spiraling out, out of control. And by the way, they lose a big piece, Logan Ryan, who signed with the Giants. Uh, a couple weeks ago
1: mile high city you're right the air is thin up there gonna to be tough to breathe derrick henry's gonna have an oxygen tank next to him on the bench because he's gonna run all over denver i like tennessee uh, i personally think tennell gets disrespected because of his time in miami i believe he had gay there for a little bit who really did not do him any favors and now he's got some weapons to you. Got A.J. Brown. And again, it's also huge. When you have smash mouth football with a guy like Derrick Henry, who's sprinting at you full head of steam downfield, you don't want to be in that guy's way. He'll run you over, he'll make you look silly with a move, and he's straight up fast. When you establish the run, there's so many more options you can do. I like Tennessee and Denver.
0: Well, and we're going to find out, too, because Denver last week had a day where they went from 94 degrees to 6 to 12 inches of snow. So what weather we're getting in Denver, I have no idea. But regardless, that's and, and that's the big matchup. If you can stop Derrick Henry and make Ryan Tannehill throw the ball forty times in this game, I think Denver's got a real good shot, to be to be completely honest. And, and Tannehill hasn't been great. And yes, he did have Adam Gase, which is well, as we all know, the, the deal breaker. But, you know, I do think if you can force him to be a drop back quarterback I think you're in a much better situation And a
1: good point too regarding the weather which is absolutely crazy you go from 90 degrees to snowing and if there's snow on the ground derrick henry eats they're gonna have to run the ball but again i just think that derrick henry he's in for a big year he's playing for a contract and he's just a force all around speed agility strength this is a team which i think probably has
2: a real real chance to mop up the afc south So that wraps up what would be technically week one. Moving on, though, we are going to predict week two, first game Thursday's games because, obviously, we record weekly. So moving on to Thursday's week two, game one matchup, we have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Cleveland Browns, a battle of the uh, former number one overalls.
0: The Browns, talent wins. Go ahead, Nick.
2: (laughs) Browns, dog pound. Woof, woof. Very short, very sweet. That wraps up the NFL. Moving forward. On to the MLB. We have the New York Mets, obviously, on a hot streak the past couple of days. DeGrom, fellas, let's talk baseball.
0: Yeah, DeGrom's been very good. I mean, DeGode is really what his name should be and what it really is. And the Mets, on we talked about this in the last podcast. They gave him 14 runs of run support. Well, yesterday, they gave him 18. So, that's 32 in the last two games. I guess they're trying to make up for the last three, three years. years. You know, I, I, you know, ever since he started this dominant run, I, I, I really don't know but they've looked, they're very, it's very seesaw. They're not catching, you know, like they're not the really. you're
1: looking for, Goss, is inconsistency. Right, which, I mean, I guess, if,
0: you know, if, you're, if you've are if you been a Mets fan long enough, you should know that's probably coming. But, yeah, I will tell you, Michael Conforto has been the story for this team, along with Dom Smith. They've both looked really good. Dom Smith hit a grand slam last night. Michael Conforto's just been smacking homers every game. And Pete Alonso is finally starting to come around. That home run he hit to give them the 7-6 lead the other night against the Orioles in the bottom of the eighth, that reminded me of last year, Nick, that looked eerily similar to what we saw during his rookie year. And if he starts looking like that, look out, NL, and they're coming They're coming for a postseason run.
1: And as we are talking about the Mets, they just submitted their lineup, so we're going to briefly look into that before I uh, acknowledge what you had mentioned about Alonzo. So tonight the Mets are matching up once again with, oh God, the Blue Jays in Buffalo. And this is going to be an interesting lineup, in my opinion. A little bit different than last night, but we got the same thing. Jeff McNeil's leading off, playing left field. J.D. Davis at third. Michael Conforto, third, playing right field. Alonzo in the fourth slot today with the DH. Fifth, Dominic Smith at first. Robinson Cano is at second base, batting in the sixth slot. Mariznick he'll be patrolling center field in the seventh. Wilson Ramos catching eighth. And Rosario at short. Now, going back to... Pete Alonzo. My uh, thing about him this year, why he struggled mightily, I think he got a little pull-happy pull happy early the season. He was undisciplined, chasing a lot of balls out of the zone. Now, you brought up the home run the other night that gave him the 7-6 win. What he's starting to do now is he's seeing the ball deep. He's not chasing. He's using his powers to all field. He can take the ball to right field. Maybe it's not going to go out every time, but he can hit the wall. He's seeing the ball deep. He's finally not chasing. He looks a lot more comfortable. And it's also real nice when you have a guy like Dominic Smith, who practically didn't play the first week of the season, putting up MVP caliber numbers, and Michael Conforto, who continues to stay red hot. And he's going back on Conforto. Improving tremendously on defense. He has a cannon in right field, and his outfield play has been spectacular the past month.
0: And that aforementioned home run went to right center field, which is where we saw a lot of his home runs last year, which is, again, this is what I said to Joel on all the time. If Pete gets hot, he's going to stay hot. You know, he like you said, when you start seeing that ball deep and you start seeing it really well and and i wonder too if the layoff impacted this maybe he started to get a little jumpy and stuff like that and he just wanted to start playing baseball again so you know maybe he was trying to jump on pitches early but regardless he would if he's coming around and he's turning the corner back into rookie year pete alonzo that's a really good sign and it's do, he's doing it at the right time i'd rather him do it now than back in back in game 1 or 2
2: so moving on from a team that seems to be getting in order from the new york mets all the way out to the other coast in the a's we have Terrible, terrible news to report. Um, fellas, you want to take this away?
0: Yeah, Matt Nick, all you
2: Matt Chapman is now probably going to be out for the
1: year. He injured his hip, he's probably going to need surgery on that hip, and that is a tough blow for a very talented Oakland A's team who's leading the AL West by seven games over the Houston Astros. Uh, that, that's just a killer. Matt Chapman having a terrific year at third, as well as Olsen on the other side of the hot corner, but. I still think this Oakland team's going to find a way to win games, but that missing hole at third base is going to be a problem.
0: Yeah, and, well, bad news for them because if the—well, good news, I guess, for them right now. If the season were to end today, they would be playing the Yankees in round one. So, uh, good, news, good news for them. They still got some time to go, but you know what? It's crazy. It's really unfortunate for the A's. It's crazy. We've got magic numbers already. We've got the Dodgers' magic number 7, the Padres are at 10, the Braves are at 13, and the Cubs are at 13. And in the AL, the Rays are at 8, the A's are at 8, the White Sox at 9, Twins at 9, and the Indians 11. By the way, the Rays might win the AL East, which is something I didn't think coming into the season that we would see. They have decimated the Yankees at all costs. And I know we're going to talk about Garrett Cole, because one of the teams that decimated Garrett Cole was that Tampa Bay Ray team. And Garrett, we'll just start talking about him now. He has struggled... The, the last few starts now, Nick, I understand last night and, and his last start, he kind of got it together a little bit. Um, but we, you know uh, how fitting that on 9/11, uh, we, we saw both Mets, uh, both New York aces absolutely tear apart their opponents. Both teams win on a really on a really emotional day for obviously everybody involved in New York and anybody that had any kind of connection there. And we saw that they were wearing the NY uh, uh, the NYPD hats, correct?
1: Uh, NYPD FD, FD. sanitation EMT. Correct.
0: Something that hadn't been done, I believe, in the past. It's, Nineteen years. It's been kind of on Probably and off since
1: nine eleven. Yeah, they were always allowed to wear them for the pregames, never during the game. I think this all goes back to last year, if we remember. Pete Alonso had bought his teammates all cleats in memoriam for nine eleven. So I guess. I will tip my cap to MLB, like, hey, finally, way to go. You did a good job. But this was certainly long overdue and absolutely fitting that two of the aces in New York towed the rubber and just dominated. Garrett Cole looked like what the Yankees signed and what they looked like a $300 million pitcher. He went seven in an abbreviated game, only allowing two hits,
2: no runs with nine strikeouts. So moving forward from local baseball to all of MLB, there's been speculation and talks about maybe an MLB bubble. You see the success of the NBA doing it. What are the reports in the MLB so far taking steps for COVID and trying to get themselves in a bubble?
0: Right. So right now, listen, they've got COVID under control based on what we've seen before. Now there could be an outbreak. Obviously, nobody knows, but they've got it relatively under control. And right now, they have a plan in place that obviously needs approval from the MLB Players Association, which God only knows we have seen can take forever. Uh, you know, the look at look at just how the season started. But as of right now, the wild card series would see the top four seeds in the AL and NL would host all the games in a best of three series. Four AL series would run from September 29th, September 30th, and October 1st, if necessary. The four NL series would run from the 30th to October 1st and 2nd, if needed. The divisional series will see the highest remaining NL seed would host in Arlington, Texas. The highest AL, the next highest NL seed, excuse me, would host in Houston. The highest AL would host in San Diego. The next highest AL would host in Los Angeles. And the championship series get cut to San Diego and Arlington with the World Series being played in Arlington. So, again, I, I, Nick, you're going to talk about some concerns these guys have, and, and they're rightfully so. But if you look at some of these other leagues, this is how they've been able to do it. This has been the success. This is why the NHL looks great. This is why the NBA has looked great. Because they found a bubble. And uh, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on it. I think I said from the beginning if they wanted to get a postseason, a fair postseason, by the way, because if somebody tests positive during the postseason, now you got to shut down a series. Now teams get more rest, and and it's uh, rest is a lot bigger in baseball than it is in some other sports. It's more of a, a detriment, actually. You know, you rest and you get rusty, but in baseball, you get the starters, uh, your your best guys get healthy. So, Nick, I want to get your thoughts. I think this is the way they have to go.
1: Um. Uh, so for the COVID aspect of it, I totally agree. You need some sort of a bubble, like we said. Take a look at the NHL. Take a look at the NBA. Zero cases. And they're both now into... or getting into conference finals for the NBA. The NHL is in their conference finals right now. So that moving forward. Hats off to those two leagues doing a phenomenal job getting it done. Getting their fans their sport. Now with baseball, there's a little bit of a thing that concerns me as a baseball fan. If you go anywhere... In the United States, Canada for National Hockey League, a rink is the same. If you go to anywhere for NBA, the dimensions are the same for basketball. If you go to a football field, the dimensions are the same for football. Here's where baseball's a little bit different. Each ballpark has their own certain dimensions. Now, being a home team, you have. For we'll take the Yankees for example. If they were to be a higher seed and play in New York, they have probably a. Better chance of doing well because they know their ballpark better than anyone. They know how to take. They have guys like DJ LeMahieu who can scrape that right field wall all day from the right side. It's just stuff like that. When you take that factor away from the MLB or baseball players, it's a little different. But for the COVID concerns, I think it's great. But one player came out. I believe it was Andrew Miller from the St. Louis Cardinals. His biggest concern is you're gonna propose this right now in the heart of the season when this honestly should have been done in the beginning of the year have it all mapped up you're going to take players away from their families now example for that would be Mike Trout who just had a child but I don't really see the Angels making a run and making the playoffs but I'm sure there's other guys out there but Mike Trout was the first one that came to my head that have families and they have newborns and they want to be with their family now being asked to seclude themselves for an extended period of time after being used to interacting with them stuff it's going to be interesting But for the fact that if we want to get this World Series done and we want people to remain healthy and limit the cases, the bubble is absolutely the way
0: to go. Now, from what I understand, and all this information is coming from Jeff Pass and ESPN's Baseball Insider, that is being talked about right now is how you deal with families. How do you get families in the bubble? Do you just take a whole family and move them down there and they quarantine? Because, again, to me, what what, what you got to do is once you get into these sites, listen, give baseball a two-week reset quarantine, make sure you have zero positives for two weeks, that's the incubation period, make sure everything's all set, then play baseball. These guys can practice, do whatever they need to do. Um, But the the ballpark thing is interesting because that's the one thing we we didn't see with the NBA going to a neutral site is home court advantage. You know, you get these one seeds that have worked so hard for it, now they have zero advantage. Now you're seeing, well, quote-unquote road teams win all these games. Why? Like, to me, Houston, the Houston Rockets would not beat the Los Angeles Lakers in Game One of the Conference Semis if that's in LA. You know what I mean? To me, with or without fans. So I think it does add a little bit of an advantage for those higher seeds, and you know you could go back and forth on whether that's a good thing or not. But uh, it is going to be really fascinating. It should have should have been done at the beginning of the season. But there's a lot of things baseball should have done, and they just decided not to.
1: And two other points go with it. So like again, how. You mentioned home court advantage for all these other sports. It's having the fans there, and that certainly impacts playoff baseball as well. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if you've ever been to a playoff baseball game before, but the atmosphere is absolutely unbelievable. And again, it's also, too, with those different dimensions, you playing a team that you won't see a majority of the time during the regular season is not necessarily accustomed to how their, def- their defense should be played in certain situations. Some ballparks are deeper to center, some are some are deeper to left center, and then you just have to make the adjustments. Now with all like the video and all these scouting, advanced analytics, sure it's a little bit easier, but still, that's still like a factor that I think a lot of casual baseball fans or people from other sports looking at baseball right now are overlooking if this bubble is to happen, which I do think it should given the circumstances. Now my second point is going to be, when you bring up your 2 week incubation period i think that's a great idea because baseball has the advantage where they're still going to be able to start their regular season on time as well as football for next year but now we look at we look now down the road hockey is probably scheduled to start in sometime late december january same thing with the nba these guys are still required their time off but with this i think they could get away the mlb pushing it back maybe a two-week period, get families and stuff in there, get people quarantined, get everything under control, and they would still have no problem getting the amount of proper rest the players need during the offseason, starting spring training on time, and getting the 2021 season underway.
2: Steamrolling ahead from one potential bubble to some actual bubbles here. We have the NBA, and the NBA is looking to go down to the Final Four uh, Lakers and Clippers are on a full steam ahead trail to meet in the conference final. And the Heat have clinched against the Milwaukee Bucks, as well as the Celtics clinching against the Raptors yesterday. Fellas, what do you think is going to be the finals? What do you think the matchups are going to be? Do you think the Nuggets can come back? So on and so forth.
0: No. 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 The answer is no. Mind. The Nuggets are done. They came back 3 1 against the Jazz, but this isn't the Jazz. This isn't, you know, a team that's going to, uh, you know, now, I, I think the Lakers beat the Clippers in the conference finals. Because the Clippers play lackadaisical in stretches, they blew a 16 not 16 point lead to clinch game you know game uh, in game five uh, to close them out in five. So I think the Lakers take it in the West. You mentioned the Heat; they knock out the Bucks. Giannis did, obviously did not play the last couple, or he got hurt in game four, didn't play in game five, and Milwaukee actually they they're obviously not better without Giannis. But my Miami had. Problems adjusting to them without Giannis, and I, I would understand why. And the Celtics, they took out the heart of a champion. They took out the Raptors in Game Seven. What a great game! Came down all the way to the wire. Marcus Marcus Smart with a great block there with a minute left, and uh, just up. you know, and this uh, the Raptors can't get a rebound on a on a missed free throw on two missed free throws. Grant Williams out of Tennessee for the Celtics, a rookie, he misses two free throws late with 34 seconds left, and what do they do? Because Kyle Lowry fouled out, he's not the one boxing out Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum gets a rebound. They foul him. He shoots two free throws. Now they're up four. So the Celtics advance. This is the first time in Eastern Conference history that it will not involve a one or a two seed. Now, it has happened out west, I believe, three times. And the three seed has won every time. So there's your stat of the day but so Heat and Celtics another a classic matchup that we used to see when Paul Pierce was there, LeBron was there, the Heatles, you know, all the, all the all the big hoopla. That's going to be a fascinating series. I don't really know who to take here. I, you know, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Heat. I Whoa. Jimmy, hold on. You're the one that harped on Jimmy Butler last time we were I here. Do like Jimmy and Jimmy Butler right now is a dog that the Celtics don't have. No family. He does he's by himself. He is by himself down there in the bubble. And he's living it up right now. And I think that I think he's the difference in the series. I really do. And you got Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero that could just shoot the lights out of the gym. So I think it's gonna be Heat Lakers in the finals.
1: I also agree in the West. I think the Lakers are gonna take care of the Rockets. I think they'll match up against the Clippers. I think LeBron's going zero dark thirty. I'm sure if we all have heard multiple times, AD is a force down low. They're absolutely going to the finals. But I'm gonna go back in history for you to an old old rivalry we're gonna see that this year in the finals i like the celtics going all the way
2: that's my guy nick that's my guy from one bubble to the next we're gonna keep this moving from the nba to the nhl who are also having their conference semis going on or conference finals rather going on right now you have the new york islanders down one two to the tampa bay lightning and the las vegas golden knights down one, two to the Dallas Stars, I believe. Correct.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. So you got the Islanders, obviously the local, you know, in uh, in terms of geographical, the 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 local team outside of the Devils, but they're not really relevant. I and I the would Rangers I would know. I watch them. The Rangers are making a oh, comeback. Don't they, Nick on that. No, the Rangers are. Listen, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with coming here soon, and they got the number one pick,
1: and Alexis Lafreniere.
0: Right. So uh, say say that say that, <laughs> say that five times fast. But uh, but the Islanders in it. Barry trots again is just the magic wand that just finds ways to get teams deep into postseasons. And Tampa Bay, those first two games, it looked like they were on a revenge tour. look they are on a revenge tour because they got embarrassed by Columbus last year. And Nick, I want to go to you. I mean, obviously, they win if they win Game Four. It's two-two, and then it's anybody's ball game. You know, but but what are you kind of sensing from the series so far? What do you think? Uh, not only going back to Game Three, but going. Oh, actually, wait a minute. Going back to Game Two, they got annihilated in Game One. Going back to Game Two, Tampa Bay scored with 8.8 seconds left to win that game. So you look at it, the Islanders think they should be up two-one. So this is really going to be an interesting series. And like I said, if they win Game Four, Game Five sets up for the big, the big hoopla game uh, that 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 really is going to determine the series mostly. Uh, so Nick, what are your thoughts on how the Islanders have played so far? What What do you got for us?
1: Aside from the first game where the Islanders looked like they were lost on the ice after that onslaught by the by the uh, Bolts, but the thing is too with that the Bolts essentially played a perfect hockey game. Did. every single I'm sorry, every single shot except for one hit the net. That is remarkable. You mean so- the Rangers of the South? I'm sorry.
0: You mean the Rangers of the South? Absolutely, because they just took everybody from the ra- You know, uh, go ahead though. Yes, I said. but
1: absolutely, but um. Uh, the Islanders, after game one, I think Barry Trotz, he's, he is a terrific coach. You saw what he did with Washington. Then just does an absolute boss move. Mic drop. I'm going to New York. I'm going to take these guys. Now, the Islanders haven't been in a conference final since the 90s. This is truly impressive. Some guys that really step forward. Uh, uh, Step Point up. out to me and stepped up, uh, Anthony Baviglia, he's got nine goals and he's leading the Islanders this postseason with nine goals. That's a guy you got to look out for. But a situation is that's very interesting for the Islanders right now is who do you give the nod to your goalies? You have Thomas Kreis who's sporting a 2.02 GAA, but you got Semyon Var- Varlamov, who's got 2.26 GAA, but he also has two shutouts. So it's going to be interesting to see how Barry Trotz plays it, even though I really have a good feeling after the last victory they're going to start Varlamov. But again, this is a Tampa Bay team that has tremendous amount of talent and a really good goaltender. And this is the type of team in Tampa Bay that will expose a team like the Islanders that are very, very, very talented up front. But a goaltending like this is kind of an issue when you got guys that have to bounce back and forth, especially in postseason hockey. Because it's just like anything else. In hockey, to me, the most important thing is if you have a hot goaltender, it takes you a long way. And a prime example you could see in that is when the St. Louis Blues won with uh, Jordan Biermuster, he came up and, I'm sorry, Jordan Biddington, he came up and just was absolutely lights out. They were in dead last when he, they, he was called up, found a way to come back and win the cup for them. I think this is going to be Tampa Bay's series to lose. I think they just have way too much talent with Nikita Kucherov, Anje Palat. These guys up front are really good. And Vasilevsky was a one time Vesna Trophy winner and he'll probably be in the conversation again. He's sporting a 198 postseason GAA. This is certainly. A t- uh, Tampa Bay team led by John Cooper, who should have no problems getting into the final.
0: Right, and you mentioned goaltenders getting hot. If we want to stay local to guys people know, um, Martin Brodeur back in 2012 when they made the run to the Cup. Henrik Lundqvist has gotten hot in the postseason. The movie Miracle. Jim Craig gets hot. You know, after struggling for a while, goaltending is very when you're in a groove. That's your net, man. That is not anybody else's net. It is your net and a guy that has dominated between the pipes in years past and used to do it for the Penguins, and Marc-Andre Fleury, now for the Vegas Golden Knights. We got that series of 2-1 to one. Dallas. I think they scored less than a minute into overtime in Game 3.
1: 31 seconds into overtime, Alexander Radulov, he found the back of the net to give Dallas a 2-1 lead. And it's uh, interesting that you bring up Marc-Andre Fleury. Going into this postseason, he found himself as now the backup to Robin Leonard. He, uh, Robin Leonard's having a terrific postseason he's got four shutouts under his belt sporting a 192 gaa vegas this is a real real talented team i actually had them as a favorite to win the cup coming into the bubble just because i thought they were just too talented but because dallas they battled back all postseason and they have three guys up front uh pavelski Gurianov, and Rajlov all have eight goals apiece while tuck leads uh vegas with eight goals Dallas is putting on the pressure. I think whoever wins this next game wins the series. It's going to be big, and I expect Leonard to come back after stopping 20 out of 23 shots last game. I think he comes up big, and they're
0: going to get a win tonight. Yeah, and Dallas has got Jamie Benn up front, who, right, you know, he gets paid a lot of money, hasn't been terribly productive, but that's the thing. You mentioned Nikita Kucherov with Tampa Bay. A lot of these guys, you don't really have to be productive to be a factor because you, teams are going to have to game plan for you. They have to know where you are at all times. A guy like Joe Pavelski, it feels like he's been in the league for forever. since I was born. Like, you know, that's that's what that's how long it feels. So, but again, you just got guys that are uber talented that are just they don't have to be necessarily scoring 100 goals a game. They just have to be doing what they keep doing and they'll be used as decoys and it, it's going to be Dallas. That series is really good. I remember after the conference semis everybody said, "Can we just skip the Tampa, Tampa versus Vegas, and uh, you know we might see that come to fruition. Who knows? But I, but again, these series are long from over. You win Game Four in each series. Now it's two-two. Now it's anybody's game.
1: Yeah, I certainly see, especially Vegas, Dallas. I wouldn't be. I mean, I'm banking on this game going six, seven. Probably leaning more towards seven, just because of the back and forth. And if this goes seven, I just think Vegas, with their goaltending, the way it's been with Robert Leonard, he's been coming back. He's been playing real well. Dallas has been a ton of fun to watch with Hudobin. In goal, he's sporting a two seven seven GA. He's got one shot under his belt. He's been playing really well. But I just think if this thing goes seven, it's gonna be Vegas all the way.
0: Yeah, and, and credit to the NHL. They said, uh, you know, the US thing with the coronavirus, I'm getting the hell out of here. Very smart. They, 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 they went they got out of the entire country. Very good for them. They didn't go to Florida like the governor wanted them to and where the NBA went, but uh but they made a very, very smart decision. So that's gonna wrap up this episode of the Air It Out Podcast. This is episode sixteen, as we mentioned. In the beginning, Nick, I want to thank you for joining us. This was a ton of fun. I know this is uber long for our for our listeners, but there's a lot of good to- content in here. There's a lot of NFL talk, a lot of fun stuff that we're going to continue to talk about down the road. So, thank you for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, a ton of fun. Uh, hopefully I get to come back. We can discuss more some baseball, hockey as we get down the stretch. And it's uh, great to be back with the boys. Oh,
2: plug in your Twitter and Instagram. Tell the people.
1: Yeah,
0: where can they find you?
1: uh, You can find me on uh, Instagram, NickMcCarthy10 or on Twitter at NickMax69.
0: Absolutely. And make sure you're listening. Make sure you listen to us. Make sure you leave us some feedback. What do you think? Was it too long? Was it not? Nick, I guarantee you're going to be coming back when this guy starts saying some ridiculous stuff. I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to be like, just get Nick back in here, please. But we got a lot of fun guests coming up for you guys, including Nick's going to be coming back. So enjoy football, everybody. Santa came a little bit earlier this year. I uh, can't complain about that. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Gosker56, or on Instagram, at GooseOnTheMic. Jolan, where might people be able to reach you personally or the podcast?
2: Uh, you can follow. Me on Twitter at Joel on by... Oh, I'm sorry. You can follow me on Twitter at good old Joel's now and Instagram at Joel on by Okwa. And you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast Air It Out or on Instagram at airitout.podcast. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you can reach us at those.
0: And, of course, if you like email, you can always reach us on email, outboys at gmail.com. Again, just leave us feedback. Let us know you want to be on the show. Reach out to us. Enjoy football, everybody, because it is back, and it is a lot of fun. And until next time, Jolon.
2: Rest in peace, Tom Seaver. Put it in the books.